Trade deadline week is here, and the Phoenix Suns look ready to make at least one move. We'll talk about that and a blowout win over the Washington Wizards on today's Locked On Suns. Network, your team every day. We are back. This is Locked On Phoenix Suns. We are part of the Locked On Podcast Network, and I'm your host, Brendan Clean, a contributor at suns.com, as well as Dime Magazine, and a credentialed media member covering the Suns the past five seasons. Thank you for making Locked On Suns your first listen each and every morning. Busy week ahead, and I'm excited to dive right in. Again, we'll talk about the latest rumors about Jalen Smith, where he could be headed, why I'm pretty bullish about the fact that we'll get one deal at least this week, and then we'll... uh, Zoom out, look at the Washington Wizards, the win over the Washington Wizards, big picture. Uh, Thank you for listening wherever you do, YouTube, Spotify. We are basically 100 listeners away from that 100 subscriber or 1,000 subscriber mark on YouTube. Kelly Oubre, I've been showing you his little bobbling head for months now. He could be yours if you subscribe now and help us get to 1,000 and tell your friends, family to do the same and I'll be anxiously waiting to give Mr. Ubre to a new home. The Action Network, Matt Moore, actually a Locked On host himself over on the Nuggets channel, reported in a nice roundup, a really well-sourced, well-reported roundup of the latest trade rumors this week that Jalen Smith not only has interest, but actually several suitors. Small ball has been defined has defined so much of the past decade, he writes, which is why it's surprising that backup center is getting so much interest around the NBA, not just Smith, but many others. And you have um, Matt listing the guys who, teams who have been interested in Smith. The Suns already got their backup center rotation out of the way, and now they're ready to help another team out. Nuggets, Pistons, Wizards, Spurs, Raptors have all offered packages for Smith, according to Matt. And that's in addition to the Celtics, who we know have also expressed interest in the past. Now, Matt also says in that snippet that the Pistons offer would center on Rodney Magruder. So guess we can address him quickly. I don't want to necessarily spend too much time there because that's just one possible option. But he has actually played pretty well this season. You'll remember him from Miami back in the beginning of his career, but he's already 30. He broke into the league out of the G League back in 2016, so he is already 30 years old. He has not played a ton for the Pistons this season, but he is shooting 41% from deep, so a pretty solid mark there, and he's taken almost 60 of them, so it's not like it's, you know, four of nine or something like that. I, I think he... Fits loosely the type of player the Suns need, which is a 3 and D long type of wing. I don't know if he's shown me enough in his career for me to just put the stamp of approval on and say, yes, no doubt he would be part of a playoff rotation. And I think that's kind of the bigger, the bigger discussion to be had. The bigger discussion that the Suns front office is probably having is what do you want if you are pretty much set on a market being there for Smith that allows you to move on from him this week. Right. I mean, it, it's felt like a foregone conclusion that, that they would shop or I know James Jones would probably pinch me if I said that word, but 
we knew that they would find him another team when they decided not to pick up his option. I mean, as much as Jones might hate us to use that term, they they built themselves into that corner a little bit when they decided to not keep the guy. So now the question is, we're here. We know what this team looks like, and we know what else might be available to them. What do you want to do in a Smith deal? And so what I think needs to be said first is the Suns look pretty destined to make at least one trade this week. This a continued noise around Smith, which Jake Fisher has been on since Summer League and which now is being backed up in multiple places, that that something around Smith is, is likely to happen. We also talked with Aaron Edwards to close out last week, or I guess before the Hawks game last week, about the increased noise around Dario Saric, the fact that it seems fairly likely that the Suns will have some sort of package available to them with Saric if they choose to pursue that. And then, of course, there is also the players that we know the Suns will probably desire, which could be Eric Gordon, which could be Harrison Barnes, which could be something smaller like Justin Holiday. So those things could happen separate from one another, or they could happen in the same trade, right? I mean, you probably package Smith and Sharich together, maybe in addition to some other stuff, to get to the salary of a Harrison Barnes or a Eric Gordon, who are veteran players who make, you know, tens of millions of dollars, you know, 15 to $20 million each. So that's the big question. Do you, do you use Smith maybe as a way to roll over some draft assets? Maybe you could get two second round picks for Jalen Smith and replenish your draft capital a little bit. I mean, the Suns have most of their seconds, but just give yourself some more ammunition for future trades is basically what that would do, knowing that you are one first-round pick down still as a result of the Chris Paul trade. You could also, of course, stack those guys together and get a veteran, or you could do something like this Magruder situation, which would be, I would think, probably at least a second-round pick in addition to a player like that, especially if the Suns have a an actual market. And that's really one of the bigger things, too, is it looks like they actually have enough teams interested that they do have all of these options at their disposal. I'm not talking, speaking in hypotheticals right now. I'm, I'm, I'm actually, it feels like all of these could be available to them. So that Magruder piece, that Magruder kind of pathway would be uh, the, the, the final potential there would be, a basically somebody who makes the same amount of money three four million dollars so not a minimum player but a level just above that but more of a veteran who you feel could play for you right whereas right now it for better or worse seems pretty obvious that Jalen Smith is not really going to do that so I would probably lean toward prioritizing stacking Smith if he does actually have some decent value, stacking Smith with somebody else, Sharich, maybe Abdul Nader, obviously a minimum player like Alfred Payton, no question, Frank Kaminsky, no question, um, and getting Gordon or Barnes. I mean, that should be priority number one is getting an impact player at that price tag using the assets that you have, being smart about manipulating that stuff to make that happen. But I also think you can kill multiple birds with this a single stone here. Or I guess you can make multiple trades this week is the most simple way to put it. So maybe there's a version where Sharich plus Landry Shamit 
gets you into the conversation for, um, or maybe it's Sharich and a first round pick or a couple of second round picks gets you in the conversation for Justin Holiday, And then maybe you use Smith and um, I don't know what else to get yourself into the conversation for another guard who maybe isn't quite at the level of an Eric Gordon, but maybe that's uh, another route you can go. Maybe you get into the conversation for uh, Terrence Ross as just an example. We know the Suns want a shooter. I don't necessarily, it's hard to see like, okay, well, Eric Gordon is a shooter, but he's not just a shooter. So you can, you can juggle all of this, right? But those are the three pathways that they could utilize the, the market that Smith clearly has to make good on this value that they've been able to drum up basically by giving him playing time during injuries and COVID absences into something real, into something that can help them now or in the future and is not just a complete waste of that number 10 overall pick. Somehow they have swung it where they are in the driver's seat in a way here and actually can pull a rabbit out of a hat here and make a deal and get this team a little bit closer to a championship. So once again, Jalen Smith seems likely to go. I put the Suns over under almost any teams over under in trade deadline week at 0.5 trades. And I think I'm ready to pull the trigger and say, I'm hitting the over there. I think we will see at least one trade. And I would not be surprised if we saw either one big one or a couple of smaller ones to really shuffle you know, the eighth, ninth, 10th men on this roster and make something fun happen here in deadline week. We know James Jones loves trades and I think we will see at least one more. Let's get into this blowout win though. Uh, didn't end up looking like as big of a blowout as it was, but 95 to 80, the Suns came in mad into Washington, DC, put the clamps down, almost threatened to break the Wizards record of fewest points scored in franchise history, the bench came in, made it made it a, a little bit closer. But we'll talk about what getting mad looks like, what this on-off switch is starting to look like for the Suns. First, though, guys, this time of year, a lot of us are tearing up our New Year's resolutions. I am in the middle of uh, trying to find a new home. So screw any New Year's resolutions. It can be difficult to just keep that focus. But again, Bilt Bar comes in clutch. I have not had to worry whatsoever about eating right because I have my supply of built Bars anytime I'm hungry, anytime I'm working out, anytime that I feel even a little bit of an urge to get something sweet. Bilt Bar can satisfy that as well. They have these puffs, built Bar puffs, that are the first ever protein-infused marshmallow, meaning they're fluffy, they're marshmallowy, and they're not just a protein bar. They are more like a treat. Again, covered in 100% chocolate, just like every built Bar is. Yummy cinnamon churro, coconut marshmallow, banana cream pie, tons of new flavors on top of the delicious ones you've already tried from the OG Bilt Bar. Again, low calorie, high protein, exactly what you need. It's just marshmallow. It's just another version, another example of them making these things delicious and easy to love. So go to Bilt.com, check out the puffs, check out the classic and use the promo code LOCK15 no matter what you buy to get 15% off your next order. That's promo code LOCK15 for 15% off at Built.com. The win over Washington felt pretty rudimentary for the Suns. Uh, obviously, seeing DeAndre Ayton get back to his form, his usual form, was very much a sight to behold. 20 points, 16 rebounds for the big man. 
And uh, other than that, felt pretty usual. But Eddie Johnson on the broadcast actually made a point that I guess I hadn't been able to put into words quite as concisely as he did, but it really got me thinking, which was that the Wizards were getting basically bearing the brunt of the Suns having just lost, right? They lost to Atlanta to start a big road trip, a pretty important measuring stick road trip. And the Suns came into Washington and said, okay, no Bradley Beal. These guys can't defend worth a single damn. We're going to crush them. We're going to crush this team. And they did. And nobody had to play more than 31 minutes, which might be the biggest cherry on top of the whole thing. But it actually bears out more than in just this game. Now, there are some exceptions. I'm not going to be, uh, I'm not going to be too married to my point here and, and act like it's happened every single time. But there are a few notable examples of times, especially lately, that the Suns, after a loss, have just gone into the next game and, and just blown the top off of it. So the first time I think you can really say this is end of December into the new year. Everybody will remember, of course, that the Suns lost the last time that they dropped consecutive games was Christmas and then the 27th to basically to the other top two teams in the Western Conference, the Warriors and the Grizzlies. Then on the 29th of December, they host the Oklahoma City Thunder. Not a great team, not a team that is really prioritizing winning. So the Suns said, you know, they're licking their chops. They won by 18 points in that game and responded, right? Responded to the disappointment of losing not only one game, but two pretty close hard-fought games. Then actually go on a road trip, play in Boston, which you'll remember as, uh, I believe, this road trip is it's when Bismack Biombo joins the team, but the Celtics game, he's not there yet. Jalen Smith has to play a ton. He looks somewhat solid, but the Suns lose that game. An early tip in Boston, a weird one by 15, not, not particularly close. Josh Richardson, Marcus Smart go off. You remember. But what happens next is the Charlotte Hornets come, uh, the Suns come into Charlotte and Biombo joins the team. He plays incredibly, and the Suns win by 34 points. They said, absolutely not. We have lost three of four. You include that Thunder blowout, but it still does not feel good to us right now. We are not heading into 2022 with a losing energy by any means. Here is a complete destruction of, of the Charlotte Hornets. Did not quite happen the next time they lost. You'll remember, obviously, they lost to the Heat right before this win streak, the next game after that was, the uh, again, the beginning of a road trip, and that was the Raptors game with the mascot hijinks. So that was a weird one. The Raptors don't really get blown out. It feels like they are too good for that, and that empty arena was bizarre and everything else. The Suns did surgically close the game in the fourth quarter, <clears throat> but they did not blow out Toronto. But then, of course, the next time that the Suns lose was Atlanta this past week, and they responded by blowing out the Wizards, leading by 30 most of the time. Every facet of the game, you go through basically every player in the rotation, aside from, unfortunately, Jalen Smith, but 
Cam Johnson, JaVale McGee, all of the starters are all double digits in the plus minus on the positive side. Then some stuff got wonky in the fourth quarter because the Wizards bench came in and made made things happen and cut the lead and, and whatnot. Montrez Harrell went on a rant post game about energy. So if you had that on your bingo card of the guy who uh, teammates don't always seem to love and who has never been effective in the playoffs yelling at his team about playing hard, you can go ahead and cash in on that bingo. Uh, the point here, though, is obviously the Aiton thing is nice, but the Suns reminded us again in this game that when they want to put the clamps down, they absolutely can do that. And no one really can do much about it, <laughs> is, is, is the, the point at the end of the day. So Let's talk about what it means in context of the rest of the league. The fact that the Suns have this on-off switch, the fact that they respond so well now and and kind of have that in them, which I don't think is something they had last season, and what it tells us about kind of the mindset that the team might have heading into the postseason, and especially when it comes to playoff matchups and the like. We'll dive right into that, guys. Bet online. Has you covered this season with more props, odds, and lines than ever before as football continues its march through the playoffs right to the big game this week. BetOnline.net remains the best spot for all of your sports scores, podcasts, and news this season. And it's not just football. BetOnline has up-to-the-minute info on pro and college hoops, the NHL, boxing, UFC, as well as your favorite Vegas casino games. So don't wait to take advantage of all of the amazing offers newly available at Bet Online for the 2022 season. Bet Online, where the game starts. Closing things out here. Talked about the on off switch, talked about the response level that the Phoenix Suns have demonstrated this season, but it, it applies bigger picture as well. It, it matters to the grander scheme of things because uh, I I, re- I repeat myself here, but the Suns did not have that last season. I mean, I think back actually a lot to the episode I did with Gino Mizell right after the finals where I was kind of scrambling because it felt so dark for Suns fans. And I was like, let's do an episode where we think back on the best moments of the season. And so the reason I bring that up now is When I went back and did that exercise, it was actually a reminder of how many teams or how many games actually that were proving moments for the Suns came late in the season. Like actually one of them was the Bucks game in February, I believe. Um, You'll remember Jay Crowder pulling the chair out from underneath Giannis in the post to clinch that win. And that one was in February, which was, you know, two and a half months into the season. Then you had a few in April, which was beating, I think the the schedule went Jazz, Clippers, Jazz right in a row. And the Suns won two of those and lost in overtime in one of them, if I'm remembering correctly. And again, four months into the season, like we did not have this feeling watching this team that they could respond to a down moment and that they could do it to such an extent. And I think that is what I am starting to learn lately in this, in this 
portion of the season because I was just talking about that Toronto game in the last segment where I was like, okay, it doesn't quite fit the trend. But you know what actually really is the story of what happened after the Suns lost to the Heat is they won 11 in a row, right? And then this time they lose to Atlanta and they basically take a 30-point lead in the first 15 game minutes against their next opponent. So they have that in them. You you might you know want to see the clutch stats again so I can I can definitely bring those up. And in this case, <laughs> Mikhail Bridges, Chris Paul or so Chris Paul is at the top. 83 plus minus in the clutch, which is the last five minutes of a game and the game scores within five points. Chris Paul plus 83 by far leading the league by, by more than 10 points. He is at number one. Mikhail Bridges played a few less minutes, which feels kind of crazy, but 70 plus minus. Those two guys are the cream of the crop in the league. But of course, numbers three and four are also Phoenix Suns players, Jay Crowder and Devin Booker. And then not too far down below that is DeAndre Ayton basically rounding out the top 10, although Ayton is, is quite a bit behind the rest of the Suns because he missed some time and no one center on this team has actually played enough to get into that top five. But effectively, the four starters who have played most of the Suns games are the sole possessors of the top four spots in uh, plus minus in the clutch. That's been the case all season. After beating uh, Washington on Saturday, the Suns are now, I believe, 32-0 in games in which they lead after three. So this response thing, this on-off switch thing, is just in addition to what the stats have basically been telling us all season. And and maybe some of you are listening thinking, hey, when they went down 2-1 to against the Lakers and then won the series in six games by winning three straight to close it out, Maybe to you, that was all you needed to know as far as a response goes. And I would not, uh, I would not take any offense to to that point in re- in rebuttal to what I'm saying here. I I hear you, um, but I think it's what all great teams need to have, like great teams. And I actually don't think that I would consider last year's team like it's not going to be something that. Aside from making the finals, I don't think we're going to hold last year's regular season up, especially after seeing how they've followed it up as one of like the all-time great Sun seasons, let alone NBA regular seasons. But this one, the one we're in the middle of, is absolutely going to be going to be thought of that way because look, there are just not a lot of teams who have won 66, 67 plus games in a regular season it does not happen guys I mean the Suns have never done it I think 64 if I'm remembering off the top of my head well enough is their franchise record the Spurs in 16-17 the Warriors in 16-17 and then of course the Warriors in 15-16 who won 73 are by my memory some of the only groups that have ever done that I think the Raptors, the Kawhi season, were were somewhere in the mid-60s. They definitely broke 60. I'm pretty positive of that. Um, It does not happen. Last year was weird. The bubble year was weird. So regular season records haven't necessarily been in place. Maybe you could say the Jazz last season or, uh, you know, whatever might might be in that threshold. But the Lakers, the, the, the bubble year maybe could have done that too. But an all-time dominant team, which the Suns clearly are, or are on their way to being, with 
that level of late game execution and late game chemistry and the ability to outsmart and out execute opponents when it matters and the ability to win emotionally or rhythmically based on what's going on in the series or in the, the, the rhythm of a regular season have the ability to just smack somebody when they get punched is, I mean, are there, is there another check mark that exists for what you want to see out of a team that you feel like can win a title? I don't know. I don't know what it is. I guess I'm just trying to put into words and actually say it to you guys on air, something that I had just been percolating in my mind for quite a while now, which is, this team, I mean, it has to be the odds-on favorite to win the title. I mean, we'll see how like Clay is coming on. Steph, may, maybe when Clay has can take some pressure off of him, we'll finally see Steph get back to where we know him to usually be. We'll see what happens with the Simmons and Harden situation. We'll see what happens with Jamal Murray returning. Those are the only things. The only question marks left this season for me, but right now, nobody's even close to the Suns. The Warriors are in a in a fog a little bit with Draymond Hurt and Clay coming back. The East does not have anybody that I think would be scary right now. No no team has proven that at least. You can list off the names and the injuries and the what nobody has proven that. And the Nuggets are counting on the return of other players. And the Lakers are counting on Russ looking like a new man. So a little bit of a tangent, but I don't think it is one. Because this piece of the response level that the Suns have shown for the past couple of months now is otherworldly. And it's kind of that last piece that you wanted to see. It's the last piece that the that makes the signature of an elite historically great NBA regular season team, those teams go to the finals and win them. That is what happens. So I know I said it would have to do with the standings, but I think I've made my point. You can watch the Lakers have a game where AD scores 31. LeBron has a triple double. AD has like three blocks and three steals or whatever it was on Saturday night against the Knicks. And maybe you're looking at that game and saying, my God, are the Suns really going to have to play the Lakers again in the first round. Maybe you're looking and saying, wow. And then, you know, Denver with Murray back might be, you know, round two. What, what a crappy draw again. I guess my point is here, this team is better and has proven more and has more of the components of a team that does not have to worry about who they are playing in the first round or the second round than last year's team did. And I, I just, don't really feel like I need to see much more from this team to feel like they're they're going to the conference finals unless something crazy happens. And that's the that's the baseline here because of how much they have proven in the regular season. They know it because you can tell they have a swagger. They are celebrating themselves and everything that they're accomplishing because they know this is a special group. And I guess maybe we should appreciate it. But more so than that, we should be really – confident. I mean, we should be really 
honest with ourselves about the level of, of greatness that, that we're watching. And it might be weird to read that much into this Wizards game, but it's a, it's a continuation of, of, an, of a level of greatness that we've been seeing for a while now and, and that I think will continue. So more trades to come, a lot of games this week, a lot of big games that should be fun to continue to break down, but wanted to set the stage for where I'm you know, feeling and where I feel like a lot of you are feeling heading into this week and uh, the stretch run ahead of us. So that'll close us out for the day, guys. Thank you for making Locked On Suns your first listen. Subscribe on YouTube, subscribe wherever you're listening as a podcast. And now go make Locked On Bets your second listen today to get ready for the big game this weekend. I'll talk to you guys tomorrow.